0: Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American Patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. It is the Kyle Seraphin Show. We are rolling live right now from Liberty Hill, Texas, and that means that it is 830 Texas time. It is 9.30 Eastern Time. Folks, today is Tuesday, October the 24th, and somehow, in 2023, we have forgotten the reasons that we go to war. America used to have a concept. In fact, most of Western society had a concept. It came out of the Catholic Church. It goes back, man, almost uh, 1,700 years now. There was a concept called the Just War, Any of you who have ever taken a high school or a college ethics class should have seen this. There are reasons that you can go to war, and there are reasons that are not just to go to war. Apparently, we abandoned this sometime after World War II, I think. I think that's when it was. But uh, we don't make the argument anymore that war is just. It's certainly not something that we are explicitly trying to meet the parameters of. So we're going to talk about just war. We're going to talk about the people that are arguing on behalf of an unjust war. And we're going to talk about some of the other things that are going on. Apparently, somebody tried to down a plane, got some ATC audio for you. You guys will like hearing that. We're going to talk about what threats look like in the air. Uh, I will also refer you if you want to know a little bit more about how unsafe the airways are. You can go listen to our two different episodes that we had with Sonia Labasco, who is a uh, federal whistleblower. And she is, in fact, one of the people interviewed on the whistleblower panel for the police state for the movie that we just had released yesterday. I know a number of you that were in the live chat have already seen it. And um, I think it's been compelling. There is an overwhelming number of people that are tagging me on social media, letting me know that at the end of this particular movie, you were on your feet, standing ovations, and singing the national anthem. Um, I feel like in some ways that's what we need right now. We need just a little bit, a little bit of patriotism. We need a little bit of hope and we need to have the awareness of what's happening so we're going to cover all those things let's see what else we got going on there's some stuff going on with the covid vaccines we talked to you the other day about how the the uptake on it is very very low this is obviously concerning to the mainstream media Um, you'll also know that they've increased the price you think it's about money? Might be. All right, so let's do that. We're going to uh we're going to run first just in honor of yesterday's first premiere, the theater theatrical premiere of Police State. We're going to give you the teaser again and remind you that you can see it again in theaters on Wednesday. That's tomorrow night. That'll be the last time that you'll be able to see it in the theaters. It's just a two two event only and then we'll move on and we'll uh, cover the rest of the show. Ryan, let's go ahead and run that Police State trailer. I believe that is uh, video number 6. <laughs>
1: we
0: don't need to have a crime what we need is a person to look at and then we go find out what crime you did FBI! our focus is shifting our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism it really paints anybody who's right of center if you're a pro-life pro-family catholic they define you as radical these are anti-government we have freedom of religion and freedom of speech violent extremists and they must be dealt with we can do anything we want All right, so if you don't have your tickets and you want to go see it in the theater, this is a theatrical movie. You can see it at police Policestatefilm.net. police statefilm.net. Go ahead and click through that. You'll see the uh, the option to buy tickets for tomorrow's showing. That'll be the last showing in theaters. And also, you'll see an option to click on Virtual Premiere. Now, it's not going through Amazon or any of the other streaming services. They have their own little way set it up, and you can go to the Virtual Premiere. I think it's called the Warre Studios, W-O-R-R-E. Uh, click on that. You'll you'll. Click on gain access, and then you'll be able to see the live streaming presentation. There's going to be some Q&A with Dinesh. I'm going to be hosting it in Las Vegas, which means I have to travel away from my family. It actually is a pain for me, but I will do it for you so you guys can get a little taste of that. And we'll be hosting this uh, sort of red carpet type event. It's like a virtual VIP thing. And then uh, we'll be doing another thing at Miralago. So this thing is an ongoing. uh, It's backwards. Why? Because most Hollywood sort of circle jerks exist so they can celebrate the people in the film. That's what the premiere's is about. The red carpet. Everybody marches out. Nobody gets to see the film. And then eventually it's released in theaters. And so they put the people last. Dinesh's movie is actually made for you. The first showing the premiere in the theaters was actually made for the people. So I actually kind of like the way that works out. I feel like the people who made it, they have the least uh, interest in it at the end of the day. Like, who cares what what uh, people who are involved in making it? You know, see, we don't need to celebrate them. It's the story. It's the message. So they put the message up front. I think that's actually a really good way of looking at it. So, uh, and then it will be available streaming on Friday evening. That's the 27th. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of this week. Big stuff. All right, I'm gonna stop talking about it. Let's uh, let's move on to Just War. Just war is a concept. It's an ethics concept. It goes all the way back to St. Augustine, which means it goes back, um, like I said, about 1,700 years, Um, but it was also put forward in the 1200s, the 13th century. It was a discussion about whether or not there was a just way to wage war. This is uh, Thomas Aquinas talked about it. And can you develop principles that you can evaluate whether a conflict is just? Okay, okay. We have to be looking at things through a lens of the classics. We need to look back through classical ethics to understand whether the things we are doing is right, because there is an objective right and wrong. There's always been a right and wrong in this world just because we've decided to go with what's called moral relativism. Uh, you know, Ends justify the means is kind of the, the the layman's version of moral relativism, just because that's the way that a lot of people look at things today. And we can look at the Israel-Hamas conflict. We can look at the, um, the the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan. We can look at what happens in Russia and Ukraine. All these things can be viewed through a lens of history. People have always gotten into conflict throughout all of history. They've always chosen a reason to go to war with another people. Was it for conquest? Was it for land? Was it over territory? Was it over you know ideas? Was it about religion? Okay, was it said to be about religion, like you uh, had sort of the arguments on behalf of the uh, Crusaders, but in reality it was about trade routes or conflicts that uh, were going to be uh, resulting in uh, power play positions for other European monarchies. There, there's a lot of reasons, and none of them are simple because humans are not simple. But they have there is a framework. And we're going to pull it up. This is going to be topic number two, Ryan. If you pull it up, there's a, a number of different people. You can all do your deep research on it. This is, I just like this graphic because it's got a tank that's sort of like levitating over the top of an open window. It looks really good. But let's talk a little bit about the principles of just war. There are seven, as I said. Okay. And the principles of just war are as follows. It can only be waged as a last resort, which means that diplomacy should be the default position. And I think we all kind of know that in America. If you want to be the good guy... You don't choose to go to war first. The good guy doesn't walk up to the bad guy and start off with a punch in the face. There are times when an attack is required, but it should be when there is no other option. And that doesn't mean that you tried to do everything else first. It just means that you've evaluated the positions and they're not there. All nonviolent options must be exhausted for you to be able to justify force in a just war. The war can only be waged if you have a legitimate authority. You must be an authority that is able to wage war. Are you protecting your own personal sovereignty? In which case, can you engage in violence to be able to protect yourself? You're a legitimate authority. What if you were to go up, see that there was some conflict that was happening, have nothing to do with either side of them, and just decide to weigh in on it? You're not a legitimate authority. So the just cause cannot be served by actions or individuals or groups who don't constitute an authority that's sanctioned by whatever our society is. And, you know, we have all kinds of different outside parameters. You might look to the church. You might look to a faith tradition to justify war. I know the people in Islam do. I know that the uh, the Jews are able to do that right now in Israel. We do that in the in the Christian church. You might look to the UN. If you are somebody who likes communism or you like totalitarian world regimes, maybe that's what you're about. I despise the UN, just for the record. Um, but you have to look for a legitimate authority, and that authority has to be recognized by the people who are engaging in the war as legitimate. Just war can be fought as a redraft, Right? It can only be fought when you are trying to correct a wrong. Self-defense is a, is a uh, common justification. And a lot of this has to do with the same sort of things that we would use to justify things like deadly force. If you were going to justify deadly force, you need to have a, a justifiable reason. That's what the just part of it is. So you don't go out looking for the violence. You need to be a legitimate authority. You must have standing in, in the uh, U.S. legal system. We call it standing. You must be one of these people. Okay. And then you must be able to defend it under certain things like redress of grievances, self-defense, etc. You have to have the right intentions. And that doesn't mean like punish the bad guy, punish the other team. Okay? Now, it can also only be fought if you have a reasonable chance of success. This is a real problem, I would say, in the Hamas Israel situation. Is there a reasonable chance of success that you are going to be able to say that Israel changes the scope and is able to stop whatever sort of uh, encouragement being done by Hamas into the sovereign area that Israel controls. And, and, and that would be a real difficult thing to justify. Is there a reasonable chance of success? Maybe not. And how do we know that there may not be a good chance? Because we can look back uh, historically and see that this has been going on for close to 100 years now. This goes back into the 1940s, but even this conflict goes back far before that. So is there really, is it a thousand years old? Is it just because of the state of Israel existing? You know, is there a chance of success? Maybe not. Multiple generations of people have fought in this conflict and we don't see anything. So that may actually make it unjust. Doesn't mean that they can't defend themselves, but a full-on war may not be justified. And then the ultimate goal of a just war is not to continue war, which we're going to talk about some of our U.S. politicians seems to love. It's not to... to, uh, to re-establish i'm sorry it is to reestablish peace it's not to continue war forever you need to be able to not go for war that rolls onto which is sort of the argument that the political left has always made no more endless wars and many of us on the political right particularly people who have served in the military who have friends who have lost lives in various foreign conflicts we are sort of sympathetic to that the endless war game it's not good for the people it's not good for man's heart. It certainly has a lot of conflict, and it should have some moral problems for us when they come home. A lot of people suffer. There's a reason why we have so many veterans that suffer when they get out of the, the endless war cycle. They come home, and they don't have a mission set, and they're unable to transition to peace. Maybe that's because it was never set up as a, as a, a goal. And in order to have a, an end goal of establishing peace, you actually have to have a plan. The plan has to have an end. I used to always tell people that the reason why I didn't like working in counterintelligence, the reason that I suffered when I was doing counterintelligence work is because it didn't have a mission with an end result. The mission was to continue the mission. And that is the problem with the endless war idea. If you're going to have no end in sight, then it's very difficult for action-oriented, punch-card-type people, traditional males who want to accomplish something, you're not going to be able to see the progression. I'm going to tie this back for you guys when it comes to the weaponized FBI right now. I tell this every single time I do an interview. People have to imagine that our current federal law enforcement agencies are more like intelligence agencies than they are law enforcement. Does that have something to do with a just war? Yeah, it actually does. It actually has to do with the way that our federal government has sort of allowed a sloppy boundary. They've started to operate not in the gray, but in sort of like the hazy mist between right and wrong. Because law enforcement is linear. Anyone who's ever been a police officer knows a crime occurs, a threat happens. We investigate who that person was, why they did so. We are able to bring charges against them or not. And when we do that, we move to a prosecutorial decision. They either decide to prosecute or not. We go to a grand jury, we get an indictment. We do a criminal complaint and we arrest them. And then they face whatever the legal system involves. They may be pled out, they may uh, be acquitted by a jury, or they may be found guilty. That's it. That's linear. And at the end of it, there's some appeals, but it ends with either in somebody free or somebody in jail. That's the outcome. That's a linear outcome. That is not an endless war, which is what we're seeing right now. The, the American people are dealing with an endless war by our intelligence agencies internally. Groups like the FBI, they are in, involved in gathering intelligence. That's a circle. It's not a line, as I just described. The line makes sense. That can be justified. The circle continues forever. There's no beginning and there's no end. That's why we use it as our symbol for marriage. Okay. The circle keeps going on. You drop into a circle anywhere and you find out. I'm going to look into Ryan Matta. Ryan Matta has some pretty inflammatory videos. I'm going to check out what Ryan Matta is all about. Well, who does Ryan Matta hang out with? Oh, he hangs out with Kyle Serafin. He talks to Kyle Serafin. Kyle Serafin is a former FBI agent. He's a real problem. We're going to open an investigation into him. You know what we'd like to do? We'd like to go into the live chat of people that listen to Kyle Serafin. By the way, welcome to the watch list for all of you who watch our show. We do appreciate you, but that's part of the problem, right? So now we're going to go find Rose Lopez. She's there every day. We're going to go find Eric Jason. We're going to go find Jigsaw Masquer, And we're going to find Michelle68Delta. We're going to look into them. We're going to open cases on them. Why? Because they associate with Kyle Serafin, and they need to be investigated too. What's the outcome of this? Is it linear? Is it an accusation of a crime? No. Babs, I see you too. Babs is going to get investigated too. And now Tack Penis is going to get, because he's there every morning too. When we start talking about creating endless wars or endless investigations, we are absolutely leaving the honest and justifiable cause. We don't have it. You lose the moral high ground. And that's one of the major problems I saw with counterintelligence. If we are looking for a spy, if you're looking for someone who is moving um, controlled parts, they're moving weapon systems or nods, night vision, something like that, you're moving that overseas, those are crimes. We can actually investigate that. If we're just investigating people, which many of you have heard on that trailer for police state, then you are now in a place that is no longer justified. And our federal government has done that domestically, but they're also doing it overseas, I think. And here's how we know. Let's do video number one. This is Mitch McConnell telling us his priorities as a Republican, as a so-called conservative. Is he trying to fix our border? Is he trying to shore up our currency problems? Is he trying to stabilize things in our economy so we don't see 8 plus percent interest rates so none of you can afford to buy a new home and none of you can afford to move out of the places that you live in? No. That's not what he's interested in. Let's hear what the priorities of Mitch McConnell. This is 10 months ago. This is like before the glitch, and then we'll play some after the glitch. And you'll still see the glitch didn't change the way that he thinks about it. Just war is not on his mind. Let's do video one. Let's roll that one.
1: Making sure the Defense Department can deal with the major threats coming from Russia and China. Providing assistance for... The Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment.
0: Yeah, that's the number one priority of all of you, right? Most of you are Republicans. Many of you are conservatives, lowercase c, just uh, independent voters that lean Republican because there's no other option. Is that your number one priority? Is that the priority that you look out in the world and you go, you know what? That's it. We need to make sure that Russia is beaten by Ukraine, that the one of the largest uh, land nations in the world and one of the most powerful militaries historically in the last 20, uh, what, 100 years, they need to be taken down by Ukraine with U.S. weapon systems. Is that just war? Principle number six, the violence must be used proportional to the injury suffered. Well, that may actually be met in that particular conflict. Just like self-defense may be met. But is the ultimate goal of the United States' involvement to reestablish peace? Is it? Or is it to send a message? And number seven, the weapons must be used to discriminate between combatants and non-combatants. This is a real big problem. Because we've been sending cluster bombs over there. It says civilians must not be the permissible targets of a just war. And every effort must be made to avoid killing civilians. The deaths of civilians are justified only if they're unavoidable victims of a deliberate attack on a military target. They just happen to be there. That's known as collateral damage, right? So many of us are familiar with these concepts. Anybody that's ever served in a war zone understands that there's what's called rules of engagement. And U.S. rules of engagement are meant to be tight on purpose. We have highly trained members of our military, and they are only told that they are allowed to engage combatants as they are appropriate. And they can be tried otherwise. We'll try them back home. We'll put them in front of a military tribunal. If they desecrate a corpse, we go after them in our military. Even if they did the right thing and they killed a legitimate combatant. If they don't render aid properly, we consider it to be a problem. But we can't enforce that when we are doing proxy wars, which is why these guys love a proxy war. They absolutely love to send this stuff downrange and not be responsible for it. Cluster bombs, cluster munitions. Those are um, weapon systems that break up from one into many. And then there's all kinds of explosives littered all over the place. In the military, you call them UXOs, unexploded ordnance. Those can explode on a troop. They can explode on a civilian vehicle. They can explode on a toddler who's playing in an open field. And that's why cluster munitions are a big problem. It takes forever to clean them up because you send one weapon downrange, and then you have to deal with 50 or 100 smaller particles that are now dangerous. Is that part of just war? Is that something that we can justify? And then why are we using things like biological weapons when, in fact, are those proportional responses? Can they be used to discriminate between combatants and non-combatants? There's a reason why we all signed against this. Because historically speaking, in the political West, we wanted to have the justification, the ethical justification, for saying that just war exists and we are participating in it. You want to paint yourself as a good guy. You have to be involved in some principles. And those principles historically in the West are just war. We're not there. And like I said, the problem with a lot of different war is that when you start waging it, against an enemy that is amorphous and you don't care about justifying it anymore, you suddenly don't care about doing it against your own citizens either. And many of us are dealing with it. And that, my friends, is exactly what the police state movie is about. When the tools of war, surveillance, and so on are used indiscriminately on a population that is internal, that's also not just. So these things all relate. This is a very timely movie. It's a timely video to watch. I think you're gonna be very upset about it, but the upside is, as many of you found out, It also has a message that is going to remind you why you should be an American and why you should love this country, because we actually do aspire to these things. All right. I saw it mentioned in the chat, so it's a timely time to bring it up. Before we change topics here, let's talk about my buddy, Garrett O'Boyle's merch store, the-suspendables.com. The question came up, hey, what is that shirt? That's kind of neat, Kyle. Yes, it is. In fact, this is today's just released Last line, substack, own the night t-shirt. Many of you guys who have ever looked through night vision goggles will recognize this sort of that tinge, that black and green. It's usually the flip of that, but that's okay. This is my version of it. This is the uh, one that I'm wearing. I'm wearing a size medium. I wear 100, about 180 pounds. I'm 5'8". Now you guys can know. You know what the model's wearing. Here it is. Limited edition merch drop. Boom. I'm just going to pull it back. There it is. This is Gerardo Boyle's substack logo, right? It's an M4. Many of you will see it. It's got a uh, an Eotech on top of it and a laser, probably a D ball device, some kind of a little flashlight. And then what do we see on the end here? Boom. The pen. The pen can be mightier than the sword, except when the sword is mightier than the pen. It is uh the musings of Garrett O'Boyle. If you guys want to go to Last Line Substack, then check that out. It's last line, thelastline.substack.com. You're gonna be able to read Garrett's musings, his thoughts out there. It's um by invite only, but I think he's starting to invite all of you. So if you're a listener and you let him know as you guys go and request to join his Substack, and you can actually uh, support him specifically right there. You can be a funded supporter if you want to support the O'Boyle family and his musings. And once again, fantastic logo. This is a really cool logo to wear on. I guarantee you, I haven't worn this out in public yet. I just, this is the first time I put this shirt on. I've been holding onto it for you guys for this limited edition drop. And uh, that's how you do the-suspendables.com. You can use the promo code Kyle if you want 10% off the shirt uh, or 10% off anything else you buy there. The suspendables.com and um you know take the 10% off. It just says says where it came from. All right, folks. Let's keep pushing forward because the US is in fact preparing for war. This is topic three. This came from Breitbart. This came out yesterday. I'm gonna pull up my article on my end. They're not they're not being shy about it. Go ahead and bring up topic three if you would, Ryan. We're talking about, we're talking about uh there it is. Sorry. Uh, Defense Secretary issues a prepared to deploy order for U.S. troops. Why? Are we involved in a war? Do we have a, a threat that's uh, that's affecting the U.S. homeland? No. But we're still going to do it. Additional troops being placed on orders to deploy as of Sunday. This is the uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, our, our Mr. Woke. This is the guy that wore the Darth, Darth Vader mask. You remember him? He had the uh, the face shield covering that. Plus, he had a mask on underneath it. And he had more ribbons than anyone else. But he looks kind of like a fat body at this point. Pretty sad. Is he going to war? Is he going to go lead the troops at the front? No. He said, I've placed an additional number of forces on prepare to deploy orders as part of a prudent contingency plan to increase their readiness and ability to quickly respond as required. Quickly respond to what? What part of the United States is involved in this? We do have some hostages that have been taken by Hamas, which we had our president dox our Delta Force guys. That was awesome. No respect at all for what we would call OPSEC or operational security. So the White House being run by children and maybe even like mentally toddlers who are um, putting out pictures of some of our most elite operators who spend their lives not being on social media and not cultivating a following and not trying to have a bunch of people know who they are because of what they do. The people that work in that area tend to be incredibly humble when it comes to discussing what it is they do for work because that's the ethos of the quote unquote quiet professionals. In the meantime, our Biden administration decided to dox all those guys. So that's really good. Letting them know, putting their families at risk because these guys do dangerous stuff. And I said, guys, because it's men. That's who does that. Men do it in places where maybe we're not even supposed to be, but we need to be there. And now you've just endangered them. The number of forces that are being uh, put on this prepare to order uh, was not specified, but the Pentagon previously confirmed that there was roughly 2,000 of them. So 2,000 troops are getting the notice that they may be going to do the mission set. That is uh, that is required of them by the commander in chief, but not necessarily required by just war theory and not necessarily making an argument. I mean, have any of you heard anyone trying to tell us that there are the seven justifications for war and this is how we're going to do it, that we're going to go in? Because we don't care about declaring war anymore. We don't care about it. We don't care about uh, going to Congress and asking for a declaration of war. We don't say that this is a righteous foe and we are going to declare war on this enemy. It doesn't happen. We used to demand it. The Constitution demands it, but in a post-constitutional society where we don't seem to care about even what the rules of our own country are, we'll just move right on past it. We don't care. The American people are not clamoring and demanding a a declaration of war, whether it be on a foreign terrorist organization, on a specific entity like Iran, a state actor, on on Russia. Are we going to do that? No, we don't have the courage of our convictions. And in some ways, to me, that's the same way that we saw a declaration of war on the suspendables. I hate to tie this back, but there are some small versions of it that you can experience in your own life. I see Garrett's in the chat right now. And he had war declared on him by our federal government. Did they have the courage of their convictions and say, we are going to fire you? You are terminated for actions that are not appropriate for your job. No. They said, you can't come into work anymore because we have some doubts about you that we can't substantiate. And we are going to pull your Security clearance. That's what they did to me. It's what they did to Steve Friend. If you watch the show, the suspendables all were suspended indefinitely. And in a lot of ways, that's like a soft way of going to war. They didn't declare you are unrighteous. You have done something wrong. We are terminating your employment. No, they said, we're not going to ever talk to you again. We're going to ghost you. We're not going to pick up the phone. But uh, we break up with us because we don't want to be the bad guy. That's what they did. And it's what we're doing in all these conflicts as well. The American people have sort of softly and subtly decided that the the rules don't apply and we don't care. We don't care about holding our politicians accountable. And they've heard it loud and clear. Are you voting these people out? Mitch McConnell just told you 10 months ago. That's when that video was. 10 months ago, the number one priority for Republicans was not any of the things that you seem to care about. It was what they care about, which was going to war and funding a war that we don't want to play in explicitly. We're not going to declare it. Let's do video number two. This is Mitch McConnell talking just three days ago. Has his priority set changed since they've gotten rid of the speaker and they showed us that we don't like having rhinos, that the America First guys stepped up and knocked out somebody that was not fulfilling his, uh, his obligations? We'll see. Video two. Let's run it. Senator Vance told me he thinks the president should have to come and make the argument on each of these separate priorities and no one, especially not Republicans, should be giving him cover on something like explaining to us what the goals are in Ukraine and how long that's gonna last?
1: Well, there are some differences of opinion among Republican senators about this. I I don't it it's about whether we give Biden credit or not. This is a question of whether it's a serious threat uh, to the United States. Uh, If if the Russians aren't defeated, they'll go into a NATO, NATO country next. And the notion that somehow our Asian allies are unconcerned about Ukraine. It's completely wrong. The the prime minister of Japan said, if you want to send President Xi a message, beat the Russians in Ukraine.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. We need to make sure we beat the Russians in Ukraine so that we can send the Chinese president a message on behalf of the Japanese president. Did you just catch that leap? He just said a bunch of words and people are used to going like, well, that was a sentence. Oh, you win. No, no, no. He just said that if we want to follow what the Japanese prime minister would recommend, sending a message to their biggest geopolitical foe and closest enemy, then we would send proxy munitions and funding to Ukraine, who we have no requirement to um, ally with. We don't have any treaty obligations so that we can fight the Russians who are not at war with us. That's the way we're going to do it. We send money to Ukraine, allegedly, to fight against the Russians, because that sends a message to the Chinese that we won't be screwed with on behalf of the Japanese. I asked a question last night on Twitter, and uh, maybe one of you can answer it in the chat. Feel free. Let's, this is one for you. You give me a, Give me a one if you guys actually know anybody that is taxing their citizens. Are there any countries in the world right now that are taxing their citizens, taking the money from that taxation whether it be income tax, whether it be property taxes, whether it be a VAT, a value-added tax, like a sales tax, do they take the money from their taxes that they collect and they send it to the United States of America? Because we've got some problems here. We've got a fentanyl crisis, people dying on the streets. We just showed you that there's a guy trying to give free fentanyl to kids, right? Right across from a school. We've got uh, pedophiles that are living on the sex offender registry. and We can't find all of them. Some of them don't want to register. We've got people coming in over our poorest southern border. Apparently we can't afford a border wall the way that we can pay for other countries. So we've got some problems here, right? Are we are we getting money from anyone else? Is anybody else able to find another country in the world that taxes their citizens and sends foreign aid to the US? Just give me a one if you can think of one. I'll, I'll find out who it is. Anybody? No? And how about uh, how about the Chinese? They might be the only ones. They might be the only people that are collecting money from their citizens in a taxation form. And sending it to the United States, but are they using it to benefit
1: us?
0: (laughs) Are they? Like things like the Confucius Institute? Are they just out here just doing like economic espionage and academic espionage and stealing all of our stuff blind, creating the thousand talents programs and running like roughshod over all of our so-called protections? Hmm. Are they using all of our National Science Foundation funding and then going ahead and just doing what they call tech transfer and setting up uh, parallel labs that exist exactly the way they do in the United States? But we're going to pay an American professor of Chinese heritage or uh, ethnically Chinese. We're going to pay them like $10 million for the $4 million worth of research they did in this country. (laughs) Mary Mary is confused. She said, what's the number one for? The number one is if you can name a country. Put the number one and then give me the country. Give me one country that collects money from their citizens. And gives it to the United States to help us. Because I can't find one. Certainly not in any benevolent way. That should be a problem for you guys. Shouldn't it? And then our number one priority is that we need to give money to Ukraine. And everybody else. Everybody else needs to get U.S. money. Apparently that's the number one priority. In fact, what does Congress do? They give out our freaking money. They give out our money. They take your money. And they give it to other people that they think are more valuable and more worthy than you... And they're doing so by borrowing even more money than we have. Mm -hmm. They're borrowing money that your grandchildren will have to try to pay off. So there it is. That's what the U.S. Congress does. You want to know why the Kyle Serafin Show position is no one for speaker? No one, the number four speaker. Hashtag no one for speaker. Every day that they are not in session, they are not wasting our money and coming up with any of this stuff. I could care less whether or not we spend about three and a half million dollars on congressional salaries per month. That's a hell of a trade off for hundreds of billions of dollars that they're willing to give out every time they get in and vote on something. Doesn't that make sense to you? I just found out we're going to talk about COVID in a second. There's 1.1 billion dollars left over. You want to talk about government waste? A billion dollars is left over from COVID funding that they're going to try to use to shove more vaccines down your throat. That's true. PBS said it must be true. And they're very upset about it, by the way. They're upset that you guys are not getting all the shots. Can you hurry up and just get the shots so PBS can stop worrying? 75% of the people who got the original shots are not getting the boosters. This is really, really troubling stuff to PBS. Can we help out PBS? Can you help them? Can you just trust the mainstream media and do what they said? That would be great. Listen, the continuing resolution ends, if, if my math is correct, November 17th. So how many days is that? We got about seven more days. And then, so I think we're about 27 days. Is that right now? 24 days. 24, 24 days. 24 days, the continuing resolution runs out. And then they can't vote on anything. And the government gets defunded. Don't you guys kind of want to see what it feels like to actually live with liberty? where the federal government is defunded, all of the mandated required jobs, all of the so-called essential personnel, that's all your FBI agents, it's all your Border Patrol, it's all your DHS, it's all your Customs and Border Protection people, it's all your Homeland Security investigations, all your military, they're all going to show up. They're all going to show up to work. They have to. And nobody in the military is going to go hungry, although it might suck for a little while, for sure. And I feel most bad for people in the military because their paycheck is garbage. But I don't feel bad for people who are federal agents that are making... You know, a new federal agent makes 65 dollars 70000 a year. Someone who's been there five years is making one hundred and twenty dollars to $140,000 a year, depending on where they live. They're all right. They could save some money. Defund it all. Let it just sit. Let it sit empty for a little while. Nothing could be better than you guys trying to find out whether or not that federal government is actually serving you. And what you're going to find is something very simple. It doesn't. They're serving Ukraine. They're serving whatever interest Mitch McConnell has. We're going to wrap up the segment right here with the last thing. This is from one day ago. This is Mitch McConnell, hasn't changed his mind. He says he's totally healthy. He's of sound mind and body. And this is his take, video number three. Mitch McConnell makes the argument, this is what we got to do.
1: We have big power competition from China, from Russia, and we still have terrorism problems, as the Israelis have certainly experienced in a brutal way in the last week. Mm-hmm. So I think it requires a worldwide approach rather than trying to take parts of it out. It's all connected. The Chinese and the Russians said they're now friends forever. Iranian drones are being used in Ukraine and against the Israelis. There's resistance
0: among some Republicans, including here in the Senate, about bundling things together. Is it possible to pass Ukraine aid if it's not tied to Israel?
1: I just think that's a mistake. I I, I mean, I know there are some Republicans in the Senate and maybe more in the House that mm-hmm. think you, Ukraine is somehow different. I view it as all interconnected.
0: And you've said that you believe there is enough oversight of aid to Ukraine. Why hasn't that persuaded some members of the of the Republican Caucus?
1: If you look at the Ukraine assistance, let's let's talk about where the money is really going. A significant portion of it's being spent in the United States in thirty eight different states replacing the weapons that we sent to Ukraine with more modern weapons. So we're rebuilding our industrial base. That's what President Biden's seeking to do. It's it's correct. No Americans are getting killed in Ukraine. We're re, rebuilding our industrial base. Uh, the Ukrainians are destroying the army of one of our biggest rivals. I have a hard time finding anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I think it's Wonderful that they're defending themselves. And also the notion that the Europeans are not doing enough. They've done almost $90 billion. Hard to sit there. They're housing a bunch of refugees who escaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that our NATO allies in Europe have done quite a lot. Wow. Look,
0: no Americans are dying. And, uh, you know, the Ukrainians are doing damage to our biggest rival. Rivals? Did you hear anything in the just war that said you can just go after your rivals? That sounds like envy. That sounds like one of those sins that you might want want to try to avoid as a country. And also, let's just be real. No Americans are dying. So it's fine. So it's fine, says Mitch McConnell. No Americans are dying. Holy crap. Just saying. When you just lay it out there, I mean, this guy is too old to think ahead of himself right now. Even as slowly as he speaks, he can't get ahead of his own words. They just fall out of his face hole like that. And what did he say? He said, we're rebuilding our our war machine here by giving off our old munitions. Hmm. Well, if they're effective at fighting Russians, why do we need new ones? Because he wants to be able to spend money in 38 states. And he's on board with whatever President Biden's doing. So, so much for having two different parties, one trying to conserve our values, one trying to conserve our flipping money. Nope. We're going to give it away so we can buy more of it. Just the fact that this guy, this guy is out there telling you, look, nobody from my country is dying. It's good to go. It's good to go. We're not going to take any responsibility for what's happening right there and how if how would you see this if you were on the other side I like to do a thing I call the mirror test you want to do something it's like um okay is it is this racist Flip the flip the flip the races put the mirror up Boop and change the, the sides how about this one let's say you're Russia let's say mm, I don't know let's say you're the United States and Russia decides to start funding the cartels and gives them a ton of money and says here's a bunch of weapon systems come in and start taking U.S territory. Or, you know, push back and, you know, Texas used to be yours and so did New Mexico and so did Arizona and so did California. So just hold on to that. Like, why don't you just go and reclaim your borders? We're going to give you a bunch of tanks. We're going to give you some fighter jets, whatever our best stuff is. We're going to give you our old munitions so we can buy new munitions. Would we be down with that? Would that be fine? We'd be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. It's not Russia that's our enemy. It's just Mexico. Mexico is the problem. Is that how that would work? The cartels are the problem. We can't even hold anybody accountable. We just have to fight. I don't think so. I think that you are picking a fight with a, a Cold War era foe because you're a thousand years old. And all you want to do is see more spending on military projects in the United States. As long as no Americans are dying, that's going to be the rallying cry that doesn't fit into just war. It's not a just war. It's not a just use of our force or our capabilities or our monies. We should be ashamed of it. And we should be ashamed of people like Mitch McConnell. I don't know why that guy is still there. I despise it. I've told you I don't want the geriocracy running anything. They have old ideas, and they have no skin in the game other than money, and they're not going to live with the outcomes of this. He's not going to be around long enough to see what some of the downstream effects are of what he's been involved in. It's horrific. It's nauseating. It's the opposite of my friends over at Patriot Coolers, who actually do love this country and are making a fantastic product. Here it is. Check out my friends at Patriot Coolers. Go to PatriotCoolers.com. Patriot Coolers with an S on the end of it. Use promo code Kyle. You'll get 10% off. That's a good deal. You're also going to help vets, people who signed up on good pretext, and they said, I'm going to try to serve this country. Even though people like Mitch McConnell are out there uh, trying to send people to war, our vets are still worth taking care of. People with mobility issues get a little chunk of the uh, the profits. We get a little kickback from them as well. Promo code KYLE, K-Y-L-E, saves you 10%, and you can have one of these fantastic products. One of their uh, their their tumblers. I've been literally using their products for, I think we're coming up on like six years now. I think I got my first one in October of 2017. And I was using them on surveillance. Uh, people who know about surveillance know you're going to need a little bit of coffee if you want it to work. If you want to be able to be uh, effective. And check this out. Bam. This is my new, it's going to replace my Yeti. My new... <laughs> Hard-sided cooler. It's a 50-liter. It's flatter and wider than my Yeti, which I much, much more appreciate. It probably does the exact same. We're going to do an ice side-by-side, so I'll I'll throw some ice in there and see how they roll. But uh, this thing says Patriot on the inside. It looks great. It feels lighter. It's a little bit easier to carry. I like the handles better, and I like that you can remove the... Um, the, the, the hasp the clasps that actually lock it down. You can't necessarily do that as easily on my Yeti. This one, I really like the mechanism of it. So anyway, check them out. Check out my friends over at Patriot Coolers. Again, promo code Kyle, patriotcoolers.com. Promo code Kyle, get 10% off. Uh, good folks, not trying to start an endless war. Although they are patriotic. And you will feel good about having one. And you'll feel the same way about watching our... Police state movie. If people are standing up and singing the national anthem, there is still a sense of what America is. America used to always want to be the white hat. They wanted to be the cavalry that comes in and saves the day. Right now we're just like throwing money like a like an evil uh bond villain into this global conflict, right? I mean, have we declared war on Russia or Iran or any of these people? No. Have we declared that China, like we built, we made China what it is? In fact, I just did a really interesting interview with Roger Stone who talked about opening the door to China. And the fact that the Bushes are responsible with that most favored nation trade status gave them the opportunity to become the China that is the geopolitical foe that they are today. They had no choice. They were a backwards agrarian society when they opened it up under Nixon. And they were not a threat. And we made them our own threat. Now we're gonna out there, now we have to give money to Ukraine so we can fight Russia by proxy to let the Japanese feel good about their fight with the Chinese. That's how screwed up our situation is. It's not me. That's the that's the minority leader in the Senate telling you that's one of the most high ranking Republicans in public office who's been in the Senate for like almost 40 years. So if you feel good about that, keep doing what you're doing. Otherwise, no one for speaker. Shut it all down. November 18th could be a freaking great day. It really could be a good day. All right, let's press on. Let's press on to talk about covid because that's not done yet. They're about to bring that back. We've been talking about it. The lockdowns are coming. Are you guys seeing masks everywhere? Are you seeing people wearing masks in places that make no sense? I just make fun of it now out loud. I was at the bank yesterday. I went to Chase to go cash our check from Rumble because Rumble is in Canada and they send us weird checks that are Canadian. <laughs> they don't go through the ATM and you can't uh, deposit them with your phone like we've become so accustomed to. So I went face to face and I sit down <laughs> and I talked to a lady at the bank who was super nice and we had this funny little conversation. I love having these like little one offs. I show my kids like how adults used to interact, just strange humor. A lot of it comes from my dad, I'm sure too. But I'm standing there at the counter. There's these like blue collar dudes. They obviously work in construction. They got mud on their boots. They got like t-shirts and, you know, some like Dickies uh, pants and that kind of thing. And they're standing at the counter. And the guy said, do you want my card? And the the bank teller was like a young, you know, Gen Z type or whatever millennial and wasn't paying attention. And he was like, do you want my card? And so I just reached my hand over and I held it out. You know, I was like, I'll take it. He looks over, and it's like another guy standing at the bank counter, like offering to take his card. And he was like, he gives me this look, and then he just starts cracking up because that's weird. Like he was offering his card, I'll, I'll take his card. I don't know what he's got on it, but I'll take it. And uh, so we start laughing. And I say, you know what's funny? I used to wait tables when I was a kid, and I remember somebody giving a uh, a credit card, and you know people would say, you know, keep the change. You'd pay your your fifteen dollar bill, and you'd leave a twenty and say keep the change. And so. This, this guy that I worked with who was in his 20s and I was you know, like a teenager, he goes by and he, somebody drops off a credit card and he goes, hey, can I keep the change? And it just blew this person's mind. Now, if you had said that today, I don't even think it would register with kids. But uh, 20-something-year-old asking if he could keep the change on the credit card. It's pretty funny. That'd be a pretty good tip. Uh, you could run that for as long as it played. And then eventually somebody would have to report it stolen, I guess. Anyway, this guy and I had this little moment where we were just kind of cracking up about it. And it's really simple. It's like those people aren't, aren't doing uh, – they're not doing COVID masks. They're, they're not part. They're regular people. There's a lot of us. There's a whole bunch of us. And that's why people are not doing it. What we need to do is call out the mask people who are nuts in a respectful and polite way. But I made a joke about it. I said something about some lady, you know, who was uh, chastising me at the at the um, Ross store that I went to. I bought a dress shirt. And this lady was like, you really need to have this. You need to have this thing. She starts giving me a lecture while I'm trying to return something. And it's like, look, lady, I didn't come to your store to get a lecture. Thank you very much. I came to buy a shirt or return a shirt. How about that? Uh, But that lady is the same lady that was yelling at everybody to put on a COVID mask, 100%. So I said that to the dude who's standing there with the mud on his boots, and he 100% agrees. And I could see there were two people in the bank that were like visibly uncomfortable because they realized they were the people that were yelling at people to wear a mask too. And that's okay. That is just fine by me. We need to be letting people know that it is now socially unacceptable. We saw you, petty tyrants. We know what you're about. Mm, We're not going to do it, we're not going to wear your mask. We're not going to get you shots. We don't want to pay for your stupid war. We don't even want you to go to work in Congress. Don't tell me that you need to get work back to work for the American people. You're doing just fine. Do Jack and SHIT. We're down with both of those. I got little kids, so I have to spell it out. We are just fine with you doing nothing. Let's do that until the end of the year. We can get a speaker like maybe in January. You guys good with that? Uh, January speaker vote. That's what I want to see. Let's pull up this thing from PBS. Number four. This comes from NewsHour. This is about a month old, but it's still relevant right now. This is the new COVID vaccine is here. Oh, is it? Thank God. Ah, The Center for Disease Control and Prevention. We remember them, right? CDC. Don't you guys love the CDC? They recommend a COVID-19 booster for everyone. Everyone should get it. Uh, But most people are not going to, it turns out. About 75% of the people in the United States appear to have skipped last year's bivalent booster. Uh Uh-oh. And it's getting even worse. And nothing suggests that the update is going to be any better this time around. Good. Good, people. Welcome to the team. Welcome to waking up. Okay, Urging people. This is so funny. This is from Greg Gonzalez, who's an epidemiologist at Yale. Oh, Greg. He says, quote, urging people to get the booster has really only worked for Democrats, college graduates and people making over $90,000 a year. (laughs) There's something really funny about that. This is what Dan Bongino refers to as the stupid (laughs) smart people. Many of you guys know these people. They're stupid smart people. They are Democrats. They're college graduates. They make about hundred grand a year or more, and they're getting the vaccine, even though it doesn't make any bit of damn sense. They trust the science, I guess. Trademarked. (laughs) Quote, those are the same people who will get the booster because it's not like we're doing anything differently to confront the inequities in place. What? What? Everybody who wanted to get this shot could get it. Everybody who didn't want to get it didn't get it. Anybody who chose to not get it has made a personal choice. Welcome to America, Greg Gonzalez. G-O-N-S-A-L-V-E-S. Gonzalez. That's like a novel way of spelling Gonzalez. Anyway, Greg Gonzalez is really upset that you're not out there getting these boosters. And so then they quote a couple of things. The effects of the vaccines offered in 2021 have diminished over time. Oh, have they now? Shocking. Hopefully the uh, myocarditis and the rest of the negative side effects have also diminished. I don't know if that's true, but it'd be nice if it was true. The permanent heart damage that many of you guys have sustained from this. Boosters have been shown to strongly protect people against severe COVID and death and more modestly prevent infection. Those are objectively false claims. They're false and they hyperlink to things that show that they're objectively false. It's absolutely incredible. The the, the public broadcast system, PBS, funded by our tax dollars, actually hyperlinks to a number of different articles that say that it's actually false. And then they quoted the fact that this is my other favorite one. There's another quote in this this article that blew my mind, too. It said um, hospitalization and death due to COVID-19 has risen in recent weeks. And COVID remains a leading cause of death with roughly 7,300 people dying of diseases in the past three months. 7,300 people died in the past three months from COVID, a leading cause of death. Allegedly. Okay. During the time that was studied, (laughs) there's like 3.2 million people that die in the United States each year. In 2022, January to December, 3.2 million people died according to the CDC and 7,300 people died over a three month period. That makes it a leading cause of death. I mean, I guess it's probably on the leaderboard if you look at the top 25 causes of death or more, but man, is it the leading cause of death? They're claiming it's the number four cause of death behind heart disease, which is multiple different topics, cancer, which is like every part of your body could have cancer, and unintentional injury, which is everything that kills you on accident. So there's that. And then COVID, allegedly, at 7,300 deaths in three months. If that, like, they play with the numbers so much, they just cannot be honest with you. And then the other fun thing is this. I read uh, they did some polling, and this is how they came up with the numbers that 75% of people um, that got the previous booster are not going to get the next one. It said they've ended the public health emergency. This is like a pearl-clutching moment for a so-called independent source of health policy research and polling called KFF.org. KFF.org, cited by NPR, this is from April of this year, said that there are going to be some real serious impacts because Biden ended the public health emergency, the (laughs) P-H-E. The impacts that it's going to have on healthcare system, one in five adults have heard nothing about the Biden administration's plan to end the COVID health public health emergency. The Biden administration doesn't get to end an actual public health emergency. It just gets to have a declaration. The declaration is P-H-E. It's a made up term. It's government. It's going to shut down on November 18th. You got, you got no interest in having the government uh, call this stuff out? Do that one. It says 6 in 10 adults, about 59% of them, think that ending the public health emergency will have no impact on them. COVID is over, has been over. They're going to try to bring it back. It doesn't make a difference. The polling already shows. 60% of people think that it makes no difference whatsoever. Half of them said it'll have no impact on the country overall. 46% said that. The end of the public health emergency is a bigger concern to some groups who have been more negatively, they've been more negatively affected by the coronavirus pandemic, including, it's always going to come to race, isn't it, the people of color and those with less money. And yet the people who are the most affected, according to this silly study, the most affected people, people who have lower incomes, probably would you say under $90,000 household incomes, the the non-college graduates in the world or the people who are just out of college, Apparently, they're not the ones who are taking the COVID vaccine. It's the rich people that are making 100K or more, and we'll call it middle class, but it's not even rich anymore. It's not even middle class anymore, I guess, because Biden has decided to inflate our currency so badly. But if that was the case, this would be the piece. So another little fun thing is that they cite this study, and the study which had a couple of different people who had some known um, conflict of interest because they had worked on behalf of Pfizer with other research, obviously. The other research that was being funded by Pfizer has nothing to do with what they said in this particular study. This was called Estimates of Bivalent mRNA Vaccine Durability in Presenting COVID-19-Associated Hospitalizations and Critical Illness Among Adults with and Without Immunocompromised Conditions by the Vision Network. This was taken place between September of 22 and April of 23. That is the full name of the study which is absurd. It's absurdly long. This is what was linked to in this PBS article. I read the first three pages of this. I have a relatively high IQ. I have a college degree. I studied science when I was in college. I couldn't make heads of tails of what the hell they were arguing. I looked at it and it basically says we had a control group and it had people with and without the vaccine in it. Then we had um, had the... The case study group, and they had with and without the vaccine, and some of them did get the booster and some of them didn't. And at the end of it all, uh, basically, the booster is totally ineffective. It has less than 25% durability at 179 days in. That's six months. It had 24% viability for people over the age of 18 between the three-month and the six-month period. These are useless shots. But they did mention in the article that the shots have gotten more expensive, and that's the really funny thing to me. You ready for this one? Because there's nothing more fun than this. Apparently, Pfizer needs more of your money. And so does Moderna. And that's why they have quadrupled the price of the vaccine. It's gone from about $20 for the first dose, $30 for the last booster. It is now $130 a dose. Are any of you guys paying that through your uh, through your healthcare provider? Like, what in the heck are these people about? Is it about money? Is it just about money so we can spend money in Ukraine? Is anyone giving us money to be able to pay for the vaccines that were developed that they all so much want but nobody wants? I don't know. It makes me sick. It's all bizarre. Um, But the best part of it is, is that nobody believes you. Topic number six, Ryan, if you would. Here we go. This is from Newsbusters. Let me pull up my my proper uh, article. Here it is. (laughs) What did they find out? Apparently, America's assessment of the media is the grimmest in Gallup polling's history. This came out on uh, Friday, I think. Parenkin's appraisal of the media is now, quote unquote, the grimmest in Gallup's history. The iconic polling company just reported for the second straight year and only the second year in Gallup's half century history of polling on the subject. The percentage of Americans who have no confidence at all in the media has surpassed the combined percentages of those who either have a great or a fair amount of trust in it. More people distrust the media than ever. Hilarious. International survey was conducted uh, for the month of September, first three weeks. Gallup asked U.S. adults to rate their trust in the media fully and accurately uh, reporting and fairly. Fully, accurately, and fairly was the things that they were doing. The question, in general, how much trust or confidence do you have in the mass media, such as newspapers, television, and radio? And when it comes to reporting the news fully, accurately, and fairly, a great deal amount, a fair amount, not very much, or none at all. A record 39% of people said they have no trust at all. In the mainstream media, while 32% said they have a great deal. I'm sorry, 32%, that's like a little bit less than a third, said they have a great deal or a fair amount of trust, which is a, which is a record low. Two-thirds of people is what we're going to take away from this. Two-thirds of people don't have very much confidence in the media. That has got to be an absolute crisis for these clowns. But it tells you about the rise of mainstream media falling and the, the rise of the independent media groups like us, people like my buddy Dan Bongino, people like Dinesh D'Souza, who are going out there and does a podcast every day, sharing information that is not being covered by your mainstream when they're doing puff pieces with guys like Glitch McConnell. Right. And that's what they're doing. And they're covering favorably. Like right now, they're all in on uh, Israel. But you're also seeing people pushing all in on Hamas because they're lefties. And they have to the academic community is actually very distressed with the mainstream medias who are going after and saying, uh, you know, something about the occupation. I want to do a correction because we always do a little bit more of a correction. We'll always give you the nuanced take if we can. And yesterday I showed you a video of a guy getting trapped in a, a group of violent protesters in Minneapolis that turned into a riot. I would say they blocked off the uh, the zone and they went after there was an old man. That's still true. None of that has changed. The guy who took that video has enhanced it and he has released a statement His name is uh, Zachary something or other. We'll play him in a second here. But he released a statement saying that he wanted to make sure that people understood that that old man was a danger to those hundreds of people that were surrounding him and beating the shit out of his car. I can't help it. I just swear. Sorry. (laughs) Let's play video number four. This guy makes me sick. Wait at the end. Don't make sure you watch video four all the way through. You're going to see that uh, Black Power Fist, aka um, Liberate Palestine, or whatever it is these clowns do. Let's go ahead and do video four i released a video yesterday of an old man driving through a peaceful protest the man gets out of his vehicle with a knife attacking people that are using their first amendment right to stand with palestine nobody was stabbed protesters were shocked and tried to push him back into his car so that they would not be hurt which is when the man literally drives through hundreds of peaceful protesters the video i took takes place seconds after the man drove through the crowd in which you can see people chasing after him and you can hear me saying, wait, as well as countless other people screaming in fear. I just drove through all these people. Since I released a video less than 24 hours ago, I have received over 500 hate-filled emails, as well as multiple death threats. This is what happens when you stand against injustice. And we cannot be scared into hiding. We cannot allow those so filled with hate to scare us from standing for what we know is right. Free Palestine. There it is. Free Palestine. OK, so the guy looks like he did have a knife. He had that I would call it like a low stabby position. And then he said he tried. to. So this is this is the argument this kid is trying to make. This is what the mainstream media would actually do this as. This is really good. It's framing. He thinks he's going to be able to sell it to you because he showed a couple things. One, an old man stepped out with a knife after he was surrounded. Did he initiate the surrounding? No, someone else did. Did he go looking for trouble? No, he drove his car and then got stopped by a blockade that's not supposed to be there on a road that they weren't authorized to stop. Okay, then a bunch of people surround him. He stepped out with a knife because he thought that was the right move. Looks like he got punched in the face and they pushed him back in his car to keep him safe and them safe. Okay, let's say I accept your premise. Then he got in his car and drove through a bunch of people, hitting no one, by the way, slowly, without running into anybody or anyone else or any other vehicles, which were blocking him and backed up. Okay. And then hundreds of people ran after him. You know what I think when someone tries to stab me with a knife and then they get into their car or I help them into their car? I think maybe I should run that guy down and fight him. Right. That's the narrative they're trying to push. This is absolutely perfect. This guy should have a job on MSNBC. They should hire him right now. He's got the stupid hair. He might be another race. He's definitely trying to like do that sort of a, what was that chick that uh, did the the fake hair and pretended to be black? Kind of has that kind of vibe, right? It's not even, yeah, somebody just said it was like Sean King. It's like Sean King, but it's not. It's like that uh, that uh, Dolacroix, uh, Rachel Dole, Dolezal, I think, was the, the woman. He kind of looks like Rachel Dolezal if Rachel Dolezal transitioned to a semi-handsome young man. So there you go. So this guy thinks he's going to sell the stabby, stabby old man needed to be chased by hundreds of people to what? Remind him that he was a stabby old man that almost ran into people? It's full crazy. But this is the way that they want to cover it. That kid only thinks he can get away with that because he thinks that tilting the narrative is successful. Like I said, he should go and try to get himself a job at a mainstream media news station right now. MSNBC would be good. He could be a field reporter for Joy Reid. That'd be fantastic. Perfect, perfect idea. And he could go by something like, his name is uh, Zach. So he could be Zach Dolazal. I think that would be a good name for him on, on TV. Zach Dolezal would be good. Yeah, somebody came up with it. Rachel Dolezal, I was correct. Uh, that's what happens when I riff in real time. And so that's what's going on. We'll give you the nuanced take on it. Yeah, the guy was maybe armed. That's okay. I don't have a problem with the guy being armed. I think if he stepped out with an AR-15 and blasted the first three people that were trying to kill him, that would have been acceptable too. If you guys don't know how to shoot through your windows, and I'm not saying you should shoot through your windows on a regular basis. It's probably uh, detrimental to your financial situation. <laughs> but if you learn how, like- There are courses you can go and spend money on where you shoot through car windshields and through side windows and so on. If you've never seen glass explode in front of you when you have a weapon system, if you've never, like, been in a crowd like that, the first thing I would do is lower each of my back windows by, like, just enough that nobody could get a finger in, but I want to depressurize the cabin because having a pressurized weapon go off in there, like, that guy could have lethally engaged those human beings that were threatening him. A hundred percent, they could have done that. It would have been totally appropriate, right? That would have been a justifiable deadly force scenario, and I would have done so. To Defend my family. I uh, I don't blame him for getting out with a knife. I just don't understand if that was a good idea. But the end of it is so crazy. I did want to make sure that we played this video. There's a lot of this talk about what's happening on. We're, we're kind of sitting back and watching. I don't know whether this is going to be a good story or a bad story, but we should know that something happened over uh, the airways in Portland. This was uh, reported by the New York Times, which we could throw up on there. What is that number? Uh we have a, uh, an article that's going to be uh, topic eight. Yeah, so off-duty pilot. This is someone referred to as deadheading. Most of us know what deadheading is because we watched the movie Catch Me If You Can. Maybe you guys knew about it beforehand, or maybe you worked in the airline industry, but that's how I learned about it. Catch Me If You Can, the show Deadhead, that's a pilot who's working for the airline, but is not, or maybe working for another airline, and he's flying to like another place, so he's flying for free on standby inside the jump seat inside the cockpit. So that's how this guy breached the cockpit. But this is an off-duty airline pilot, um, was apparently trying to reach and shut down the engines on a passenger airliner that was flying into Portland. We've got the ATC audio. I want you guys to hear just the source information. We'll figure out like there's no pictures released to this. If he was uh, taken into custody by the feds, which I'm sure he was, the airport liaison in Portland from the FBI would be dealing with this. So we'll see what happens next. There may be more to this story. I don't know if it's motivated by mental illness or some sort of uh, just war, or unjust war, or otherwise. But this is worth playing. Let's do video number, what is it, five? Let's do video five. I want you guys just to hear the ATC, and then we're going to talk about it real quick, and then we'll shut this thing down.
1: Back to the final approach course, 2059. As in
0: 2059, uh, what uh, is the threat level? The threat, le- the threat is now in the back of the airplane, uh, so we're, we're reduced on the threat level. Uh, I'm, I, we're going to check in with the flight attendant to make sure everything is running smoothly, but it seems like he settled down as soon as he... Uh, after one moment of going uh, a little bit overboard, uh, we put him in the back, so... Horizon 2059, Roger, just as so we can report this,
1: what was the highest level that uh, occurred? It escalated to a 4, uh, but he's out of the cockpit now. Roger, the all. Horizon 2059 is said to maintain
0: 6,000. 6,000, right in 2059, when
1: you get the gate
0: number, we'll uh, coordinate that as well. Thank you. All right. So what they said is they're going to get him and put him, he's already in handcuffs. There's a little bit more to that audio. You can find it on Reddit if you guys want to go find that. Uh, I can uh, put it out on social media at some point. But uh, essentially what I wanted you to hear was that they said, what was the, the, the highest level of threat as they fill out their report from the ATC controller position. They have to fill them out. Now, there actually is a tiered system one through four. We're going to show you that. That's topic number 10. You guys might as well know what this looks like. Topic number 10, if you'll throw it up on there. So this is a report. This comes from 9-11 of 2006. This is an old, old piece from the Federal Aviation Administration or the FAA who has responsibility about what goes on in... (laughs) <laughs> what goes on in the airways. And the the four levels, level one is disruptive behavior that's either suspicious or threatening. Obviously, this was only five years after 9-11. So this was, you know, literally five years after 9-11. Uh, number two, physically abusive behavior. That's a threat level two. That's happening somewhere in the, uh, in the cabin. Number three is life-threatening behavior. All right. And level four is the highest level of threat. Now, this guy actually had... Uh, probably life-threatening behavior, a level three, but he was already inside the cockpit, which they've hardened and made set um, kind of set behind. I would not be surprised to see if there was not some, uh, some changes in policy when it comes to who they're going to let deadhead and sit in there. Level four is an attempted or actual breach of the flight deck. Well, that guy was already inside the flight deck when he did it. So when you hear people say it was a zero, it was a four out of four on the threat level, part of that is because his physical location, any threat he had, was already going to be a level four because he was within the cockpit um, after the doors had closed, okay? So that's the nuanced take on this thing. It may not be what it is. It may have been a mental health crisis. Somebody panicked. People do weird things. A lot of things have happened. You know, a lot of people went and got COVID shots, even though they didn't make any sense, right? Um, the other thing I was going to be reminded of is those death counters that you guys saw, which we may see come back, which would be really funny to see in the mainstream media. One of the reasons why no one trusts them is that there are there approximate are and estimated estimates. I'm sorry, there are... Uh, weak estimates of how many people died in a three-month period at the beginning of this year 7300 right that's a rough number but in supposedly the mainstream media was running real death counts of how many people had died from covid in real time on their mainstream news programs like 24 7 do you guys remember that they can't even get an estimate going back to the beginning of this year the first three months from a specific cause of death nobody knows how many people were dying but the upside to it is they did reveal their hand, and of course, Americans are responding accordingly on the Gallup stuff. All right. Um, I want to say one more thing, and this is worth talking. Topic- bring up topic 11, if you would. I wasn't sure if I was going to cover this, but I want to uh, since we've already run right over my one hour. Look at this. Topic number 11 is really interesting. There's some warnings going on. This is the Catholic news agency that is reporting this stuff that bishops in Europe are concerned that um, marriage may not exist anymore in Europe, That it is, it is like falling apart and disappearing. We're not seeing people get married. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's such a problem. When you start degrading the basics, okay, the basic things that we've always had in our society, men and women getting married together and establishing families, when you get rid of those things, you open the door up to some of the weird downstream effects, like not caring whether or not you're just in a conflict. It actually ties into where this just war problem is. When you degrade all the sort of fabric of society and you see what they called a cataclysmic decline in the rate of marriage, In Europe, this is a bishop in the UK, when you have that cataclysmic decline, people stop caring about the other things they've always cared about too, which is like being the good guy in a conflict, all right? Uh, It's worth knowing that these are real problems and we should uh, address them as such. One of the ways that you do it is going out there and doing the basic stuff like meeting your neighbor, going to police state with your neighbor, have a friend come with you and go watch it and uh, enjoy sort of the normal camaraderie that have always existed between two people who don't have to agree with everything, but they still agree that America wants to be the good guy. That means we should care about whether or not we're involved unjustly in these conflicts. All right, that is our show for the day, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate you guys joining us. We stream this thing live from Liberty Hill, Texas. It must be 9.30, it looks like 9.38 right now. Thanks for joining us. There were a whole bunch of you. We're seeing that our live chat is getting more and more busy. That's probably difficult for you guys to keep track of, but we really appreciate the support. And if you want to keep supporting us, you can visit us at rumble.com slash Seraphim for the video version of the podcast. You will find the uh, the live chat there as we do it live every morning. You also can see the show notes, which are going to be in all of your Apple, your Spotify, your iHeartRadio, all these things, iTunes and so on. You can scroll down to the show notes and leave us a five star review like this one, which comes from a fantastic name. I blame the 1960s. Do you know I blame the 1960s talking about, again, our uh, state senator. Uh, Colton Moore interview said, Kyle, as a retired SOCOM aviator, a Georgia resident and a daily listener to your podcast, I thought your interview was one of the best behind the scenes looked into the travesty of what's happening in this country. Stay the course, brother. We could chat on True Social from time to time. Stay frosty at I blame the 1960s on True Social American flag. Two times. We appreciate it. Folks, you can find us on all these places. Apple is our single biggest audience. That is why I go and grab the uh, reviews there. But there's actually over 100. I think there might be 200 on Spotify as well. So leave us a review where we can find it. But uh, if you want us to read it on the show, we're pulling them from Apple. Again, the Apple Podcast app, and uh, I will try to find some on Spotify if that's all you're about. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us today. Make sure you hit the like button. It moves us up in the rankings on the leaderboard. We'd love to see everybody who enjoyed seeing this and sat through the video to hit that like button. It does move us up, and then we'll see if we can uh, show you some rankings on here. We're starting to get into the point where people have to notice the show on Rumble, so we do really appreciate all of your support. Follow Ryan Matta on Twitter. That's at Ryan Media. And, uh, folks, we will see you again tomorrow. God bless you. Be safe out there. Go get your tickets to Police Day, whether you're going to see the streaming or you're going to see it in theaters. And we'll see you again tomorrow morning. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Seraphin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays
1: on Rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.